let's let's pray lord we just uh we thank you for this morning we thank you for your presence we want your presence more than anything else lord it's our number one aim our number one goal thank you for your presence lord we just welcome you keep coming holy spirit keep coming And Lord, I just pray you would just help me to communicate what's on your heart this morning and help us to just receive what you got, Lord. We want everything that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So who who was here last week? Yeah, a lot of you. Do you guys remember what we talked about? (laughs) Here's the quiz. Anybody remember? Shout out if you remember. I guess that's a Sunday, so <laughs> the Sunday school answer, right? Jesus is always the answer. The, you know, <laughs> anybody remember? Yeah, that's true. That's it. That's it. So yeah, that's what we talked about. Um, so I'm just gonna review a little bit. We were talking about um, how the Lord wants to, us to see, not necessarily with these eyes when we make and we see each other that we actually see from the eyes of our hearts you know uh, exactly what Travis was talking about when Elisha prayed for the servant right for his because his eyes only saw what was in the natural and he was making judgments and his emotions were even controlled by what he was seeing in the natural but as soon as his spiritual eyes were open his attitude changed his perspective on life changed right he was like I'm not gonna die right (laughs) Well, the same thing is true for seeing one another in the spirit. It is so important. So we've been talking about our vision statement, right? Do you guys remember our vision statement? And I said I would keep uh, hammering it in until we actually remember what it is. (laughs) Anybody remember our vision statement? What are the three things we're about here at Morningstar Wilmington? Do you guys remember? And Travis can't say anything. (laughs) It's important that we know this. His presence, numero uno, right? We are after his presence. We want to see not just tingly, goosebumpy, you know, oh, that was awesome worship. We want to see his manifest presence come here and remain in Wilmington, North Carolina, here in this dinky little church in the ghetto. (laughs) That's what we're after. Number one, we will not compromise that. Number two, you guys remember? What were we about? Oh, say, say it again? Equip the, Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? You've heard us talk about this all the time. The fivefold ministry was never meant to do necessarily all of the work of the ministry, right? Ephesians 4, 12, 11 or 12, what does it say? You guys remember? What are the, what's the fivefold ministry for? What are the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, what are they supposed to be doing? Equipping the saints to do the work. They're supposed to do the work. Hello. Have you looked at the American church? Backwards. God is changing that. We've talked about this many times. That's what we're about. We're going to change this thing around. We're going to actually see what the Holy Spirit dreams about. And we're going to be just partnering with him and seeing this take place here in America. It's going to happen. 
What's number three? What are we about? Community. community. What kind of community? Koinonia. That's yeah. But more specifically, we talk about a healthy community, right? Which koinonia is obviously that's part of that. We want a healthy community, a family, because that's in God's heart. God's dreaming about His family. When he made man and woman, he was thinking about family. Why do you think family has been the target of the enemy for the past 150 years? Well, all of history, but really specifically the past 150 years. The enemy hates family. He's got people all confused what family actually is. Genders and sexuality, all this stuff. It's the attack on God's dream of family. Okay. <laughs> that's that's true. Who's a good painter? We need to like get like paint this. I mean, Lisa, where are you at? Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. We do need to kind of make it plain. Hey, awesome. <laughs> Open book test, right? <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, it's right on. We're, we should know why we're here, right? You decide, we don't blindly come every Sunday morning. I, this is, we just sing some songs and listen to somebody talk, you know? I mean, no, we're about something. God wants to accomplish something with you, in you, in us. Because remember, Ephesians 2.22 is not about a building that he's, physical building he's building. He's building us together to be his dwelling place. And remember we talked about this move of God to contain the move of God that is coming to Wilmington, to Eastern North Carolina. Derek Prince prophesied back in the 70s. It's going to be contained in our relationship, in our koinonia fellowship, in our healthy community. Okay? You guys remember all this, right? It's all right. I think that it's like psychologists or, you know, somebody studies this kind of crazy stuff. So you got to hear something like eight times before you actually remember and retain it. So this might be number seven for you guys, right? (laughs) I've said it a lot. Um, Well, cool. So just as um, Travis uh, was sharing that really good word about how God will frustrate what he actually tells you to go do because he's teaching you that it's not by might nor power, but by my spirit. That's, an, that's out of his mercy he's doing that. You know that? To, to actually frustrate what you're working on that he's told you to do because, man, you will burn yourself out. You will probably burn out your family you will probably burn out your finances if you don't do it with him. You know? So thank you, Lord, for frustrating when we just kind of leave you on the mountain someplace <laughs> and we go ahead of you. Okay? And, um, well, there's something very similar about this, and we talked about it last week. God will actually frustrate your, what you're working on, what he's called you to do, until you get connected in relationship within the body. Remember we talked about that? 
that our callings and our purposes in God were designed specifically to work interdependently within the body. The hand can't work without the arm. You know, the foot can't work without the leg. You, you get the picture, right? We need each other. And God will literally frustrate your work until you're rightly connected to the body because you will never step into the fullness of your purpose and your plan that God has, the adventure that God has for your life. Adventures, it's plural. He's got many callings and purposes on our lives. He will literally frustrate them until you're rightly connected. You will never step into the fullness of your calling unless you're rightly connected to the body. That's what I'm trying to get at the bottom line here. <laughs> Does that make sense? So in order to build a, a healthy community, right, we're after, we, we've been kind of implementing these things over the past couple years and even recently over the couple months um, that we've been praying about, been seeing, and because we, we only want to do and only want to put our hand to what we see the Holy Spirit leading us to do because we don't want to leave him on the mountain. We want to be in the, we want him in the boat with us. Um, our home groups, right? We talked about home groups for a while and I uh, highly encourage you guys to get involved with home groups. Um, and if you feel like this is your home body, if it's not, I mean, you're welcome Sundays and all that, but if you really feel like God's called you to Morningstar Wilmington, like I highly encourage you to get involved with home groups. There's a sign-up sheet in the back and just like Jim was uh, sharing, um, if I know I'd called a bunch of you guys. We're still regrouping things, but I'm going to give you guys a call this week where, um, you know, if I called you or if I haven't called you, I'll call you this week, uh, myself or Jesse will, and uh, we'll get you plugged in to the, the right home group. Um, so home groups, we're after that. We're trying to plant these nets all over our region to be able to to hold the catch that God is bringing to our, not necessarily even our church, but just to the body in general. There's going to be a harvest, and we're just preparing for it, right? And home groups are the best way to do that according to what we're seeing and feeling from the Lord. Um, so um, another thing, and, and you know, we were talking about this last week, is Second Corinthians 5.16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So we were talking about three things about this thing, right? Do you guys remember the three things? <laughs> So we were talking about the benefits, and that's basically all we got through last week, are the benefits of seeing each other according to the spirit and not the flesh. Now, so today we're going to talk about the hindrances, and hopefully we'll get to the how-to, the practical. How do we practically do this thing that has seemed so spiritual and somewhat unattainable? Okay, It is possible. We can practically walk in this manner. If God commands us to do this, he is also empowering us to do it too, okay? He never tells us to do something that's impossible, you know? Well, impossible in our own strength. So we talk about the benefits. 
Number one, it will help propel others into their calling. When we begin to see one another according to the spirit, God's purposes on their life, who they are, their identity as sons and daughters, and we begin to behave differently around them, treat them differently, speak to them differently, pray for them differently, our hearts mysteriously get transformed in the process. And we begin to see like our father. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want to see how he sees? Man, I do. I pray that all the time. Lord, I can't see right now. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. Help me to see what you see. Take me in a higher perspective where time and physical location have no bearing In the natural world, all the laws of physics have no bearing that I can see what you see, right? So when we interact and we do this together with one another, we will treat each other differently. We will behave differently with each other, and we will help propel one another into our callings and our purposes. It will be a natural result of that. I guarantee it. All right, so... And we talked a lot about, you know, throughout the years, we've been hearing all kinds of judgments. All of us has been judged by the natural. All of us. If you've been in this world long enough, you've been judged. Well, I mean, they judge babies. Like, you know, you see a baby, oh, he's such a beautiful baby. He's going to be just like his father. And all, you know, we make all these crazy judgments. And we actually speak over one another. And you guys have been spoken over all through your life. And a lot of times, it's been the enemy speaking through these people. Some people have been teachers, sometimes your parents, sometimes your siblings, sometimes your friends. And you begin to like believe the words and the lies that they speak over you, and you actually begin to walk in it. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not good at this and this. Who said you could, you're not very good at music. You're not very good at speaking in front of people. You're not very good at business. Look at you, you spend all, all of these things spoken over your life and you begin to believe them because they're spoken to you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Remember, I talked about the broken record that just keeps repeating in your head, that voice and how we break that through forgiveness and for us repenting from judging others. We went to him briefly about that. But this is important, Okay. We can get set free from that stuff. Those word curses basically spoken over our lives. All right. And we talked about, you know, how even, you know, David's father, if he really saw David in the spirit, he would have treated David very very differently when Samuel came up and said, hey, bring your sons I'm going to anoint one of them to be king. And he brings the one that is the most handsome, the oldest, the tallest, the most athletic. And all, you, know, you know, and he was judging in the natural, right? Now we're going to get to, to family here because this, <laughs> this is a big one. But, and all along, like David wasn't even brought up. Samuel had to probe, hey, don't you have any more sons? <laughs> you know? Some of you are Davids. 
Some of you have had parents that have spoken over you, who have treated you, who have judged you by the natural and have treated you that way, spoke to you that way. God wants to break that stuff off of your life because it's holding you back. It's sabotaging your purpose and your calling. So we talked about that last week. We addressed some of that stuff. We will keep on addressing this stuff. All right. So having a healthy community that is reinforcing who we are in the spirit and what God is calling us to do will help propel each of, each of us into our callings. And that's really, it's crazy because this past um, Wednesday we had home group and that stuff was coming out. The prophetic was naturally coming out. We were beginning to speak into people's lives, each other's lives of who we were called to be. And we began to reinforce who God called us to be. It was awesome. We can practically do this. <laughs> There's hope. <laughs> right? All right. So, and number two, reaping the benefits. Of, we reap the benefits of the calling each of, each, on each other's lives. We do when we treat each other, when we see each other according to the spirit, right? If you, and we talked about, you know, Matthew 10, that if you receive me, he who receives, he who receives me, he receives the one who sent me, that Jesus is talking about. And he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall reap a prophet's reward. So if we receive one another as we are in the spirit, we will actually, self, in a, sort of in a selfish way, but God set it up that way, we will actually reap the benefit of one another's giftings and callings. But if you refuse to see each other as God called them to, as, a, as a, your brother and sister in Christ is called to be, you're actually robbing yourself and you're actually sabotaging the interdependent calling of your life. You guys get that? You're sabotaging yourself. That's why God gives what to the humble? Grace. It takes humility to receive one another, doesn't it? You see somebody, you know all their mess? To receive them as, but they have a strong prophetic calling on their life. And then you just refuse to, to see them and you're, you're making a judgment that they are not what God's called them to be. You just cut off the blessing and maybe even the word you needed to step into what you've been called to do. And we talked about this. Remember I talked about Randy Clark, how he was so offended at Ron Hark Bunky. Oh, wait, no, not Ron Hark Bunky. Who was it again? Howard Brown, the laughing guy, right? But he was so desperate for God and God to move in his life that he humbled himself to receive from Rodney Howard, and it kick-started the Toronto Revival, basically. Maybe all the history, you go through all the history line. But if he had not humbled himself and he had not received prayer from his brother in Christ and received him as this fire starter, you know, he's kind of a fire starter guy, he's a crazy guy, he would have totally just not stepped into the fullness of his calling. He needed Ron, uh, I keep saying Ryan, Ryan Hart, Rodney Howard Brown, right? That, yeah. He needed him, whether he liked it or not. <laughs> yeah, fine. How God would frustrate us and not like, I mean, that's the word. Like, 
he frustrated Randy Clark's ministry. He was in a dinky little church and dinky little middle nowhere. I can't remember where. Seeing like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. God doing little, you know, God is always going to use us and move through us. But he was so frustrated that he wasn't seeing what God called him to do. He was so frustrated with not seeing what he was reading in the Bible taking place in his life that he got so desperate that he humbled himself to receive from the body. Man, thank you, God. Frustrate us. (laughs) If we aren't walking in what we're called to do, or if we're not connected with the people, man, frustrate us, God. Well, that's, uh, that's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> Here's a better prayer. God, just make us desperate. Make us desperate. For you. For you to move. Yeah. So we actually humble ourselves. All right. So, you guys ready to go? Hindrances. Sorry, I'm like reviewing all this stuff, but this is kind of helping building up where we're going here. So, the hindrances for us to practically walk in this. Number one, judging by natural appearance. Remember we talked about this? Everybody, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to the first Samuel 16, 7, or if your phones or whatever you got, where you got your Bible. All right, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the height of his statue, stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see, as we were reading in 2 Corinthians 5, he doesn't see our old nature. He doesn't see the old man in all its junk, in all of its sin, because now we've been clothed in righteousness and actually clothed in Christ. That's what the Bible says. We've been actually clothed with Christ. What does that actually look like? We put on this bodysuit of Jesus. <laughs> but that's how he sees us. He sees the new creation that he made when we were born again. If you were born again, you became brand new. You became a child of God. All the old things, your, all that stuff, all the sin, all the flesh was covered under the blood, and you were, this rebirth took place. You were brand new. Brand new. All the old things are gone. All your past. Even though the enemy, he, you know, attacks us from the past, he tries to bring it back up. But the Lord, he sees us, and he is constantly, constantly speaking to us about who we really are. And he uses people, and he uses the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit through people. He's constantly prophetically calling it forth, this new creation that he created when you were born again. He's doing it. He's speaking to the dry bones. <sighs> he's calling forth your calling, your purpose, your identity in him. And uh, another thing, when I was reading this scripture, the Lord was kind of breaking down stuff with me um, in the scripture, 1 Samuel 16. Don't think that you are too spiritual for this to happen to you. That, oh, I'm too spiritual. I, I, know, when I, I know my brothers and sisters in Christ according to the flesh. I can't, I don't walk into sin. Well, that's immature stuff. Samuel. A seasoned prophet of God. 
from a very little boy. He heard God's literal, audible voice when he was a little kid. Here he is, many years later, seasoned prophet of God, and he's standing, and he completely misses it. I think he saw, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he saw the first son, and he's like, oh, this is, he, this is the guy. And then and, and the Lord speaks and says, no, I didn't choose this one. You got a seasoned prophet still judging in the natural. So I don't care how many years you've been walking with the Lord. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. We need to walk in this. You can still miss it. It's okay. There's grace. Repent. Move on. Lord, show me what you're saying. Right? The Holy Spirit, he does not make judgments on the external, but on the internal. He doesn't look at your outside. He doesn't, I want to even say, he doesn't even consider necessarily, totally, your natural abilities and gifts. He's only, I believe, he's only seen, what can I do through this person? What can I do when he partners with me? I think that's how God sees it. Now, you might be naturally gifted and stuff, and, and God, and when you partner with God in those natural gifts, you might do like crazy things for the Lord in that as well. I'm not saying, I'm not saying discount anything you're good at. <laughs> okay, I'm not, don't hear me say, I'm not saying that. But I believe that God, in his economy, he's like, he's not impressed with our natural abilities. And he never asks us to do things that we can do that is possible in our natural giftings. He never does. He always calls us, and he, when he tells us he's going to do something through our life, it's always impossible. You ever notice that? Well, that's on purpose, because nothing's impossible, what? With him. So in relationship, in partnership with God, because if you believe your calling is to be something that you can do in your own abilities, I challenge you. You might be dreaming or hearing too small. Because God, his calling and purposes on your life are impossible for you to accomplish on your own. But with him, all things are possible. Because he's tricking us in relationship, even in our calling. (laughs) With him and with one another. All right. So here's examples of how God sees. If, you, if I haven't convinced you yet, Judges 6, I'm going to go through this just a tiny bit. You guys know this story. You probably have heard this story connected with us before about Gideon, right? Do you guys remember Gideon, the Midianites? They were like beating the junk out of the Israelites. And everybody went in hiding in the hills and caves and stuff like that. And here he is hiding in a wine press, uh, you know, what was he doing? Treading out wheat, right? Um, treading out wheat. How was it? <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> you know, anyway, he was getting wheat prepared, right? And he's hiding from the Midianites because they were killing and stealing all their food. They're killing all their animals. They're doing everything. This is, how, this is how God sees. This is in verse 12. Judges 6, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, 
This is how God sees. Think about it this way. This is how God saw Gideon in the moment. The Lord is with you, what? Do you guys remember? Mighty man of God, mighty warrior, depending on the translation. Mighty man of valor. Here you have, let's be straight. He was afraid. He was running. He was hiding. Yet, the Lord shows up and says, hey, you're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty warrior. And you know, and then uh, I'm sure Gideon just kind of probably would, like took a, had a double take because he literally says, pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this stuff happened to us? And the Lord turned to him and said, I'm just kind of skipping through. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And then he goes, pardon me, my Lord. Wait, what? But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Did you guys get that? How is Gideon judging himself? According to the spirit? According to the flesh, right? How do you think he got there? How do you think he got to this place where he no longer believed who he was called to be, but he was believing himself as the weakest of his weakest clan? Listening to the voice of the enemy. And I bet you his weak clan was probably like, man, we are, we, we're terrible. <laughs> we always get picked last at gym class. Gideon, you're going to get picked last at gym class. Just, get, just wait for it. I'm going to set you up for disappointment. Right? And he began to believe those lies that were spoken to him over and over and over again. And he began to actually even speak it out. And he's telling the Lord who actually made him, Lord, I'm the weakest. How can I do this? Come on now. (laughs) I mean, it was ingrained in his thinking of who he was. And the Lord was trying to prophetically speak into his life. No, that's not who you are, Gideon. This is who you are. And with me, you're going to completely wipe out the Midianites. And I'm going to make you an actual judge over Israel. I thought it was ironic how the book of Judges, and you know, he was judging himself according to the flesh. So anyway, you guys read this story. There's tons of like nuggets and stuff in there about this, about how to walk in this. And, um, but I'm just going to go real quick through. I mean, there's tons of examples. This is how God sees people. This is how God sees in the spirit, right? God sees the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the son of God. He sees Rahab, the prostitute, when he sees her and he uses her to save the spies, right? And all that. He saw, he didn't see the prostitute. He saw, I'm going to come through her line. Isn't that crazy? God sees totally different than the world. Totally different. So much so it confuses the natural mind, right? Because our natural mind is like, God, use a prostitute to actually 
come through and be man through this line? That's crazy. God sees the father and mother of a mighty nation in the dead womb of an 80-year-old Sarah and Abraham, and he prophesies it. He doesn't see their dead womb. He sees in the spirit. He sees what he can do when they're in partnership with him. God sees the leader of his new church in an outwardly uneducated, impulsive fisherman, right? You guys been watching The Chosen? You remember Peter? God saw this man that would help lead the church in this uneducated, dirty fisherman. God sees one of the greatest missionaries and apostles of all human history. And someone who will pin more of the written word of God under the direction of the Holy Spirit from an outwardly overzealous, religious, and not in a good way, a murderous persecutor of his church, the Apostle Paul. He saw the Apostle Paul not as any of these things. He saw him of what he would become in him and what he would accomplish. Can you imagine that? Think about that. We read the word of God, you know, and we read the New Testament. Most of it was written by the Apostle Paul by under the direction of the Holy Spirit, right? Through like a murderer, basically, or an accomplice maybe to murder with the stoning of Stephen and all that. God sees totally different than the way we see. Now, hopefully none of you guys are murderers. <laughs> you don't have to be like that to do these things. But all this, my point is, is that like your calling and your purpose on your life, you probably have just a very small glimpse of what it is. You know, you even quoted the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. Your natural brain can't conceive the purpose and the plan that God has on your life. But by the Holy Spirit, all right, that's, what, that's the adjacent verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, but by his Spirit, he is revealed. So we can know these things in relationship with the Holy Spirit. The prophetic, that's why I love the prophetic so much. I love the prophetic because I get a glimpse of how God sees other people. And to share in that, it's amazing. Uh, That's why I love the voice of God. And when he speaks, it's like there's nothing else. We're undone. You know, it's like we were talking about last couple weeks ago about how John the Baptist, he says, when the friend of the bridegroom, he hears the voice of the groom. And he's like, his joy is complete, it says. And that's why when he, when, when they walked into the room, right, uh, Mary walks in the room with baby Jesus, probably in her womb, and the John, sorry, we got, a, we got a belly right here, John leaps when he hears her voice. We're, we're the same way. It's just such a privilege to hear and to recognize his voice and then actually to partner with him to actually speak it over other people. And to see those things come to pass, it's awesome. So, gosh, all right. Um, let me just let me knock this one out, and then we'll we'll uh, do. I feel like we're supposed to do some ministry. 
So that's an enemy, judging from the natural appearance. So don't think you don't do it because you do it. (laughs) I don't care if you think you're like a great prophet like Samuel, you will do it and you'd still do it. So we need to be on guard. We need to be constantly asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me not to judge. I'm judging right now, Lord. Help me not to judge. I prayed that prayer a lot, okay? (laughs) We all should be. Because we're so tempted to like label people. Because like we were talking about last week, the, the world is trying to label people in the natural. You're straight. You're gay. You're black. You're white. You're male. You're female. I don't know what you are. You're some kind of bi, whatever. I don't know. You know, it's so much confusion. And they're trying to get the world, and it's the enemy through the world, is trying to get us so hyper-focused on the natural identities. You notice that? That's why I know this is like a timely word from God, because his antidote, and actually what he was already doing, is this for us to not to see past the natural and to be able to see in the spirit who we are in Christ and if they're not in Christ, who they will be when they are in Christ. The prophetic is a powerful weapon to defeat this thing that the enemy is bringing into our world. When you see this person confused about if they're a male or a female, like the word of God establishes and how God created us, and you begin to speak prophetically over them, I'm telling you, the anointing will break that spirit of confusion off of that person. We are called to walk in this, to set the captives free. We are doing this, but even more so, God's going to be using us this dinky little church in Wilmington, North Carolina. (laughs) The waiters, remember Stephen? He was a waiter. He did greater miracles than the apostles. They were so impressed with him. But they made him a waiter. (laughs) If you're a waiter, look out for the miracles, right? (laughs) All right. God does things totally different. That's all I'm saying. So number two, familiarity is the enemy. It is like probably the number one enemy of this. Being familiar with one another, especially believers. And man, we don't really have time to get into this. I think um, we can do a part three of this later, but um, if the Lord tells me to do this. but see, and it, but here's the here's the crux of this of the familiarity. When you start to get to really know somebody, see what happens is when we get in home groups, and we get past the Sunday morning facade that we play with each other. Yeah, everything's all right, brother. <laughs> I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> there's there's this one guy I love him to death. He would always tell me that every Sunday. I'd say, Hey man, how's it going? I'm blessed and highly favored. Now I know he was speaking prophetically, so I'm not picking on him, but. <laughs> I knew there was some stuff in his life that was going wrong. And uh, it's okay. What happens when we, like, when we get to know each other like a family, you get to know each other like a family, if that makes sense. You guys know your family. <laughs> Warts and all. You know their struggles. You see, I mean... I'll be honest, like we went to the, uh, we had like a little family reunion at the beach house and I like, 
I think I yelled at uh, Heather or something in front of the whole family. <laughs> just being real with you guys. And, uh, and I was just like, ooh. And I felt the Holy Spirit immediately, just like, ooh. And then, but my family, they saw it all. They see warts and all. And I had to apologize to them and repent to Heather <laughs> and to the Lord, you know. You know family. Come on now. You know your junk. You know their junk. You know their sin. They do it right in front of you sometimes. <laughs> it's hard to see past that. And that's why, you know, I think even the word family comes from familiarity. You know, family, the word family is in that word. And sometimes we get too familiar with one another that we are constantly judging in the natural and what we know about them and what they struggle with and that it is so hard to see them as the Lord sees them and to actually behave and interact and talk with them and pray for them in the way that they are in the spirit because their sin and their struggles are so right up in our face. So guess what? That's going to happen when we become a family. (laughs) Not just the pastor's going to know your stuff. (laughs) Because we're, guess what? We're supposed to get past that. We got to grow up. We got to start walking in this thing, this calling in this dream that God has for us and it's called family. Because when we're, with him face to face in paradise, we will be a family. We will. Closer than any family experience you had here on earth, we will be a family. We will love each other. I mean, truly love each other. We, and we will like each other. <laughs> I think we were talking about that in home group, weren't we? <laughs> like, I really love that person, but I don't really like being around them. I mean, let's be real. That's, some people, I, I feel that way. I'm, God's changing me. He's giving me his perspective because what happens, there's a power that comes when you see what he sees and you have a faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. When you get a word from the Lord, a rhema word for somebody, you actually have faith to see that person walk into what you actually saw. That's the power of the prophetic.